0: Hi, I'm Paul Stringfellow and welcome to Tech Interviews. This week, we talk hybrid cloud and Lego. Yep, we do. Enjoy. Hi, welcome to this week's Tech Interviews. Um, So this week, we're going to be picking up on a topic that um, I talk with uh, customers and, and business partners with an awful lot. And this is the idea of... Uh, building a hybrid data and cloud infrastructure. Um, And I think it's a phrase that we hear an awful lot, but not necessarily a phrase that we think about the realities of delivering and and how we go about, um, you know, how we go about building an appropriate hybrid cloud strategy so that we can take advantage of all the things we have on-prem and all the things that we have in the cloud. And, um, and what kind of inspired this episode was um, a video I saw that uh, that my guest for today uh, made. Um, that it was something he did in um, uh, alongside NetApp. Um, and it was a really interesting video about how to prepare your data and your infrastructure for using the hybrid cloud. So I thought that would make a really interesting topic for today's episode. So uh, I'm very pleased to be joined by uh, John Woodall. Hi, John. Hey, how are you, Paul? Yeah, I'm real good, thanks, John. And uh, n- nice to have you on the show. And um, well, look, uh, well. Before we get started on the topic, um, why don't you introduce yourself? Tell people a little bit about who you are and what it is you do.
1: Yeah, uh, great. Thanks for the uh, the warm warm welcome and intro. Uh, long time listener, first caller, so to speak. Here, my name is John Woodall. I'm Vice President of Engineering at a company headquartered in Palo Alto, California, called Integrated Archive Systems. You might hear us referred to, if you know us, as IAS. It's a lot shorter. Um, and so we're a full systems. In- integrator, reseller uh, doing on-prem, cloud, hybrid cloud. We're in our twenty-fourth year uh, of business, so we've been around for a long time, and uh, it's just, you know, it's just been a real pleasure to, to kind of grow with the industry. And, and thanks for having me on.
0: No, real pleasure, John. I, I think you, um, you know, you, you did this video net out, which I thought was a really interesting piece of work. In uh, uh, it, talks about a topic that I think we see con- uh, talked about an awful lot in the industry, and people talk about hybrid this, hybrid that but i don't really think people often understand some of the complexities and some of the design decisions that go into taking advantage of some of these, these capabilities so um so maybe before we delve into how you take advantage of that though why not um hey, can you give us an idea of what we mean by hybrid cloud You know, we hear it talked about a lot but but i'm not sure that there's there's a real solid definition of that so so in your view john how do you, how do you see hybrid cloud
1: yeah no thanks i think um when i think of hybrid cloud i think it has been historically in, you know, in this cloud era, that's not necessarily a long, a long time, maybe it's 12 years, one or two years or less. The The, the concept of a hybrid cloud is that I have a, a workload or an application that can or does live either on-prem or in a colo that I'm in as, as a the IT practitioner, if you will. And I connect to and can leverage services or burst out to seamlessly Uh, to a cloud provider, typically a hyperscaler, Amazon, Google, IBM, Bluemix, Azure, et cetera, Uh, and that it's a seamless or as seamless as can be uh, experience from leveraging tools or placing and using data on both sides of that divide. I think that definition um, as customers now over the last couple of years in particular have experimented with and figured out what cloud means for them in of their adoption and digital transformation is that they have um, begun to conceive of hybrid cloud as also encompassing the concept of multi-cloud because the fact is there are workloads and applications that may never live on-prem or in a colo. There just isn't a financially feasible or justifiable way to do it. Um, but the data and the, the processing and the application that's needed do live natively in clouds. But you may need to uh, span clouds because you may be doing um, you know DevOps in Amazon. You may be doing analytics on data for the same application in Google. And that has to be and should be ideally a seamless experience regardless of where the data lives. And I think back to the, the fact that we were referring to a NetApp video that has to do with their data visionary data fabric uh, story and strategy, is that data is one of those things in an organization that seem to be the most important one. And I think it was last year, uh, The Economist referred to data as the new oil. So I think that was a particularly good and forward-looking job of articulating a strategy and a vision and a roadmap that they're executing against to help companies in their digital transformations embrace the cloud. So hybrid cloud to me, yes, it's on-prem and it's in the cloud, but it can also be between clouds.
0: Yeah, so um, you talked, to, actually right at the beginning of that piece, you talked about um, that more and more companies are starting to embrace the idea of cloud and embrace the idea of hybrid. Mm-hmm. So, so what are some of the drivers that you're seeing behind that? You know, you talked there about, you know, obviously being able to use things like analytics, and machine learning, but, you know, if you're a company listening to this and wondering about should I bother embracing hybrid cloud, you know, what are some of the things that you should be looking at for, some of the reasons that you should be?
1: Yeah, no, that's a great question because I think if you just look at I need to be running in a cloud. That, that's kind of to to not offend people who do this, kind of boring because in the end you can do that anywhere and there's not a lot of intrinsic value to that other than maybe burst capability. I think the things that that really, if you look at, um, I'm thinking of um, so I'm going off memory on a brain cell that 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 may may have been taking a sabbatical. But in the end, I think it was Amazon from 2008 until 2016 cumulatively added somewhere in the neighborhood of 3,000 services to their platform. So if I think of why would somebody look at hybrid cloud, there are some things that you are going to or or may have on-prem, but there are things happening in the cloud, applications uh, and tools, uh, and just the sheer speed and agility with which you can stand something up and, and do work that I think you're irresponsible if you're not looking at cloud for what the real attractiveness is. And, and certainly agility and time to value are there. But there are workloads that will never uh, exit the cloud because the data is going to live there and stay there. Um, you may have subsets of that. But in the end, I think you know cloud is is such an attractive value proposition in general. The specifics will vary based on the workload and the application that we're trying to address as to which of one or more clouds are best suited to that particular workload. But uh, you have to, as an architect, look out at what are the available tools
0: for me to achieve an outcome. And if cloud's not in that, you're not doing your job. Yeah, and I think again, you raise a you know really good point there about, and it's something that we talk about a lot. Is this idea of you're looking at an outcome? You know, you're after a business outcome. Mm-hmm. This is not really a, a conversation about picking a technology because we no. like it, but actually no. that we've we've got a we've got a business challenge, business opportunity, and that cloud is is a way of of helping us to deliver that. So, um, a specific but, customer example where you know they yeah no no yeah so you carry on here. Yeah, you you've got a customer example.
1: I think you, you, you kind of touch on something that made me think of a specific customer experience where, you know, they've done their own internal cost metrics so they know what they pay for a unit of compute, storage, network, what have you. Um, they made a decision that was business aligned and driven, not technology driven, uh, to move some of their real estate, if you will, to uh, a hybrid cloud model knowing that the cloud portion of it would be up to three times the cost of the on-prem equivalent, except they're a data-driven, analytics-driven company, and the analytics tools that they have available in the cloud, they could not afford to build on-prem. The amount of data that they're ingesting would just make a a capital acquisition, while relatively cheaper, you have the time to deploy and the time to stand up and the staffing and the space and, and cooling concerns, all those physical attributes of being in a data center, Uh, and in their case, they made a business-based decision to deploy uh, a good portion of their uh, application infrastructure in the cloud for reasons that allowed them to find new ways through new analytics tools to find new top line revenue, drive faster time to value, and try to differentiate in their particular market segment. but then the other thing that I think, it, you know, the cloud is an, it's a very strong pull and attraction like a magnet. And, and once you get in its pull, it's kind of, you begin to lose perspective. The things that I think customers need to think about um, is ultimately the value of the cloud is real, but you are still responsible for your data. And the governance and the security and, and all those things that your C-suite really are on the hook for uh, and responsible for. So then I like to think of, let's introduce um, the thing that I think a lot of cloud discussions, it may be as plain as the nose on my face, but I still miss it once I, I see it, which is you, the customer, have to be able to control your data and the dynamics around it. You have to control its placement, its security, um, its performance, etc., et cetera. Cloud is a great tool, but I don't think for many people it's always going to be an all-in motion. It'll be place what's there in a way that makes sense, but I need to control the knob, if you will, that says I need to dial in my cost. I need more agility. It costs more, but that's worth it to my business. I'm in a steady state now. I need to cut costs back. all the new games are cloud-native in Amazon. Um, they see which of maybe 10 new games do well. Those games end up being deployed in a hybrid, largely on-prem model because they can better control performance, better control cost, and and happier customers, but they can always burst based on unanticipated demand because they started in the cloud, came back on-prem, but they know how to go either way. So those are the types of dynamics that I think – as we look in this cloud era at um, leveraging the the tools that are available to us in the cloud, we have to be smart about it. Um, And if we are, there's tremendous value and we can control cost and risk uh, as appropriate to each individual business.
0: I mean, I think you probably hinted on a few things there that were kind of jumping around in my head as, as, as kind of my next question, really. Uh, and I think actually that idea of, of both, um, you know, that, that analytics conversation and the one around scale, but I think analytics particularly, you know, one of the things that we're seeing is, I think companies have been through a process over the last two or three years of starting to try and manage and govern and control their data better, you know, try mm-hmm. and uh, clear out some of the, the garbage that might be in their data sets. And I think with that, it, well, they're doing that with half a mind looking at how do we start to extract value from this kind of this, this data asset that that we own, um, and obviously mm-hmm. one of those ways is to take advantage of whether it 's what Microsoft offer or Amazon offer or, or Google offer in some of these kind of big scale mm-hmm. analytics engines. Well, just maybe stepping back just a little, and you have touched on some of these kind of areas already, you know, in in, in your experience, as you talk to businesses about making that leap, you know, starting to take advantage of some of the things that that big hyperscale cloud, for example, might be able to offer them, what are some of the main things that you see that are holding them back from making that move? You know, what are some of the challenges you see around fully taking advantage of, of that kind of capability?
1: Oh, that's a great question because this is, I, I think, um, you know, to borrow uh, definitely a, a phrase from your side of the pond, a bespoke suit. The tools and techniques that we use in an engagement to help somebody, you know, they could be a need to lift and shift an application from on prem in a legacy stack to being cloud native. And there's a lot of development and, and work around uh, that effort, but again, it has to be business driven. Um, and I think, um, you know, the challenges that begin to present themselves, I mean, security is, is something, you know, it's every week I think I'm seeing some new breach, some new exploit, some new, oh, yeah, it was a 25-year-old problem that we just found out about. It, you know, those types of things are going to continue to happen. And so I think you have to always have security and data protection uh, in mind around your data because, um the cloud is, is somebody else's compute Um uh, And if that's the case, they may not have the same care that you do. Their SLA may not be, it's easy to assume um, that they're going to care for your data and your workloads the same way you would. Uh, and many of the SLAs of the hyperscalers in particular are best effort. Um, the number of nines that they may subscribe to to support you aren't what, At least I've grown up in the data center where five nines is kind of the gold standard benchmark. Um, Good luck on that in the cloud. Um, So availability can be an issue. Data protection can be an issue. Security. Um, And then in a multi-cloud context, well, I'm on Amazon, but I need something in Google. Oh, wow, that's a different format of data. So that's where I, I come back to in the video you referred to that I did for NetApp the ability to have a consistent and extensible data model and data data management suite become very interesting because it becomes less about where it is and more about what value can I derive by having my data in a given environment, you know, be that one hyperscaler, Amazon versus Azure versus Google, or on-prem, or some mix of all of the above. If I don't have a consistent way to do that, um, then you're are you're using a lot of very heavy-lifting, uh, hard-to-do data migrations. And, you know, the other thing that people sometimes forget about in this cloud discussion in hybrid is, um, I'll jump to the example of customers wanting to create a data lake. Why would you do that on-prem? The amount of data that you may end up creating is huge. Now, moving that data around is another problem. So um, the architecture begins to create uh, some very interesting physics problems. I think it was Cisco last summer published an article on the amount of exabytes of data, which I think were in the 30 to 40 exabytes of data created globally. But all of the network bandwidth um, on the planet could only move about four exabytes of that data in a year. So it's kind of like Humpty Dumpty sat on the wall. Um, you know, there, there's physics involved with the amount of data. So I think the emerging workloads and with IoT looming, some data will never not live in the cloud. But you're going to need to access it or or derive value on-prem as well with that data or some subset of it. So having a consistent way to do that, and that's where things like NetApp Cloud Sync might be an interesting play for somebody that's doing analytics on Amazon, but have NFS. You know, maybe some of the data resides in AWS analytics, and how do I create a workflow moving data in and out of that environment and my on-prem or colo environment? Or what if I need to do it between clouds? And that that kind of strikes to some of the recent announcements around enterprise NFS services on Azure and Amazon, and how will they play in that model? So this, what I might begin to say, maybe a high thread count data fabric becomes a very important tool um, as people begin architecting solutions in and around cloud.
0: So I don't know uh, if I answered the question. I talked a lot. <laughs> no, 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 you did. And and it kind of leads on nicely to, to kind of my next, uh, maybe the next thing that I'm thinking about, and that is, so if you're looking to design a strategy that allows you to build this kind of hybrid, and I, and I like the phrase you've used a couple of times there, actually, this idea of a multi-cloud environment. I, I'm with you 100%. I think, you know, longer term, as as we get more mature in a way that we use cloud services, that I think we must anticipate that we're going to use cloud from multiple providers, and they might be the big players that we all know, or they might be somebody geo-local to you who's got a service mm-hmm. that you mm-hmm. want or, or a special. I've got I think. a
1: perfect cus- customer example of that I was talking to at lunch the other day. Um, and you know the person is responsible for strategy in the organization. And I won't name the hyperscalers in play, but they have a strategy to go to the cloud with some of their workloads. Absolutely, for all the reasons we've kind of been discussing, there's value there. There are services, but they will never move what they're uh, to the cloud if they can only move to one provider. And they have some very stringent. Um, uh, requirements in their contract language that one of the hyperscalers agreed to, others have not yet. So they're not moving anything to the cloud until they have two hyperscalers that are willing to contract actually meet their requirements. So that's just an immediate, like, you know, a week and a half ago discussion with a customer where their initial move to the cloud will be multi-cloud. It will not be start one and hope another one comes along. Yeah. And they're very specific about what they want to achieve and they have specific requirements about availability zones and about being on different platforms for lots of different reasons. So um hybrid and multi cloud are gonna be, you know, kind of the, the the lockstep motion I think for the majority of companies.
0: Yeah, and that goes back to what we said at the beginning, doesn't it? That, that actually you're looking for a business outcome. You've got a business desire, a business goal there. Yep. And it's not about, oh, I must get myself into AWS. This is about I've got some requirements and, and what's the best way for me to architect it. And, and that kind of leads on to, to, to my next point, I suppose. And so if you're looking at developing uh, some kind of hybrid cloud strategy, what are some of the key things that you'd want to include in that strategy? You know, what are some of the key things you'd want your hybrid cloud to, to do or to be able to do? You know, you talked before actually on things like consistency and extensibility. Yeah, you know, but so, so, what do you mean by those? You know, what, what are some of those things you'd look at?
1: Well, I think the,
0: the, um, to get started, just like if I'm building
1: out a new data center, I mean, there's some basic building blocks, and um, you know, think of them as the Legos, if you will, for familiar with Legos, right? The the building blocks that, um, that that kids use to build things. We've been using Legos for decades. You know, blue, green, red, whatever, it's a quantity to build these really amazing infrastructures. And now we're entering into a world where you know it's an online experience almost. And to in, 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 borrow from uh, the Lego example, comes from my grandson Christian, who is six and a half. He loves to play with Legos. He has a big play table filled with them, and I have to watch where I step when he's been over because there might be a Lego on the floor.
0: But the other yeah, game nothing, he likes to nothing, play. John hates hey, like standing on Lego. Uh, Nothing flat
1: no, especially <laughs> if it's like the middle of the night, it's yeah. just that, that'll wake you up, but the other game he l- lo- and think if I put this whole conversation in the context of my grandson and not to take it too far, his work, his business outcome is play right, and the one he loves building Legos and that's kind of the legacy uh, way of doing things. you physically manipulate and you build and there's a certain pace and, and and physically what's possible. The cloud is like a different game that he loves to play, which is Minecraft. And he can build an entire world in the same amount of time it takes him to build one relatively decent, you know, Lego uh, structure. Both are very valid forms of play. Both are, in, in his business mind of play, equally important but what he can do with one versus the other is incredibly different in the, in the outcome. So I think that, you know as you approach this whole discussion around how do I start, I I would suggest people start with the idea of hybrid cloud is my design goal. It's where I start my thinking. I'm not thinking cloud first cloud native and that you may start there physically, but where you end up, always plan for hybrid in mind. Because you never know whether you're cloud native, you know, with just a network and some security in place, or you're a legacy company that, you know, cloud is a completely strange concept to you. Wherever you are, there's no wrong answer, there's only right answers. But the right answers are, in my opinion, start with hybrid as your goal. If you're coming from a cloud native, DevOps, um, you know, if if you know, you pull up your browser history and Linux Foundation plays heavily in it, then you're gonna be building things in hyperscalers and with open source tools. Successful in your business, whatever's driving that, you're gonna have to control cost. You're gonna fall under more governance and regulation. And you're going to have to be able to control some of those cost dynamics because you've already proven the agility. For a company that's starting at the other end of the spectrum, you need the agility to remain viable and competitive. And you have hopefully a successful history financially to draw upon. And that legacy, what some people have, and this is my editorial comment, uh, I'll get on my soapbox. There's, I don't believe in the concept of technical debt. The infrastructures that we have built over the last few decades have served us all very, very well. I've created the worlds that we we enjoy today and have created the the opportunity to build cloud. So there's nothing wrong with it, but there is a sense of timing to I need as a business to drive outcomes that require me to take advantages of cloud-based services. And so from the legacy perspective, starting with hybrid Azure design goal allows you to leverage the strength of where you've come from and extend out and take advantage of new resources and services that you couldn't do in a timely or cost-effective manner. The idea being that regardless of how you get there in a hybrid context, you have and at all times maintain control of your data, where it's placed, how it's protected. You know, whatever governance or or, uh, physical uh, locality requirements you you may have, as you, as depending on your business. You, the best point of control for that is hybrid. And so it will vary based on the tools you use. The other recommendation is um, minimize the numbers of tools that you use for a given outcome, you know, streamline and, and drive efficiency in everything you do. But in that context, every engagement that we have around cloud and hybrid cloud and multi-cloud are custom conversations um, around a specific workload and application. And then off we go, we build, we do a proof of concept. uh, And then we get into the rollout and an upgrade cycle. Uh, And at the end, if if it needs to be a managed service, because a customer either doesn't have the bandwidth or the skill set to operate correctly, the, the new world they've built built for themselves, uh, we're happy to do that for them. But um, the cloud is an incredible magnet. You ought to you ought to yield to it and go find the value that's that's natively there, but never lose sight of your data and how you control it. Because when you do, then you get nasty surprises on, oops, I lost data. Um, right. For those of you that remember that name, you know, just because you put it in the cloud doesn't mean it's safer. You know, you have to protect it. Um, and cost. I mean, cost is going to be a huge issue. Uh, Cloud is more expensive, but the agility
0: is what you pay for. Uh, If you control cost, you can't do it without a hybrid model. Yes, and that's actually, um, and probably leads on to maybe the last question I had for you today was, that one of the things that we we hear a lot, and, and I think sometimes is a surprise to organisations as they start to make a transition to sure. use cloud or use more cloud services, is actually mm-hmm. this issue of cost. So, I mean, is there any pointers you can give to people that how mm-hmm. they um, identify where those costs are and and how they try how they keep them under control? Yeah, I mean, I
1: think you know there there are plenty of vendors on both sides of the equation. The APIs are open uh, on the hyperscalers. You can figure out what something costs to run you know, per hour, per month, per week, per day. So it's it's worth doing the cost modeling up front uh, and to kind of hypothetically build out what it is you're trying to solve for. Uh, so we, we do that with customers um, on a regular basis. Uh, I know NetApp, uh, back to the video, has a very valuable free, uh, and that you know, the price is right, it's free, services engagement called the Storage Design Workshop. And so coming from the data perspective, It captures, um, you know, your I.O. density, you know, IOPS per terabyte so that you can properly uh, understand um, what type of media you need to be on. And it will model the cost of doing it on-prem, doing it in Amazon, doing it in two availability zones, doing it with ONTAP Cloud, and give the customer a fact-based understanding of the cost per gigabyte per month of each of their choices. And that satisfies their specific requirements, so I think that kind of exercise is very valuable from a cost perspective is understand what you're you're getting into because uh and then you know you need insight and visibility into your consumption and because I think you know there's a lot of jokes out around. You know, that was great. We went to the cloud, and then we got our third-month bill because now they're really using it, and there's this exponential climb in cost. It's a million-line, um, you know, detailed uh, invoice. And you're going, what happened? Well, it's a little almost too late at that point. So if you're going cost is something that is real, there's a ton of information out and around easy-to-find cloud never claimed to be cheaper. Uh, and we've surveyed customers just recently at an event. We had a couple hundred people. Cost was not a reason. You know, cost control is specifically not a high reason. <laughs> because I, think, I think my customers that, that we have, very large enterprises, have figured this out a while ago. They understand the cost. They understand that resident um, long-term use of the cloud is far more expensive than an on-prem. Uh, deployment for the same application, uh, but they appreciated the ability, I need 40,000 cores for something and I can do it and I know what it costs. So I can spin it up, tear it down and manage my costs based on demand. Um, I think smaller companies tend to be more cloud-first, cloud-native or cloud-only in their initial thoughts. They have yet to hit, in many cases, the scale where cost becomes an issue um but ultimately it will. Uh cost is something that you know you know infrastructure providers, you know hyperscalers, they have to make a living too. So it's not free. You know there's a, there's a cost to what they provide. Um and the value there is agility and services not cost. Again, I don't know if I answered that particular question no, you did. but I think
0: I- You did, and I think think one thing you touched on there as well, which I I, I find is crucial in any kind of IT project, and I'm always astounded by the amount of times this piece (laughs) is done, but it's that bit right at the start that says, understand where you are now. You know, you're talking about kind of the NetApp service where they can do kind of data modeling for you. And all that's yeah. about fully discovering. This is where I am right now, and this is what moving this is is going to look like. So, um, so I think yeah, lo- loads of uh, you know very valuable points there. Uh, and just, yeah, uh, yeah, no, I mean that, that
1: whole point, And I'll just say it this way to make it most simple and clear: take an inventory of what you have, yeah. but good, bad, right, and then you, you're in a better position to make a good decision. Please be informed; it's the best
0: thing you can do. Yeah, and it, it, it's certainly better to be informed at the beginning than three months in realizing, you know, where, where did these million line, line items come from? If you're wondering how on earth it's costing so much, when when cloud is going to be a game changer for you? So, um, look, it's a game changer, all right. <laughs> but but before we go, and, and actually maybe on that point, actually just before we wrap up, uh, yeah. so if I'm listening to this and I'm looking at my business and wondering whether hybrid cloud is for me, you know, can you give a couple of um, you know a couple of points, a couple of things that you should think about that you know that that, that, that might drive you maybe towards hybrid cloud or actually maybe away from it. You know? So is is there yep. a couple of use cases that you, you would look at and say, well actually if I'm a business doing this, then hybrid cloud might be for me.
1: Yeah, and again, you know, in the context of you know NetApp's video, which was the, the, the impetus to to have this chat, um, you know, I think you have to look at the, the use cases that I think initially many people would say present are um, backup or DR in the cloud. Um, and that that actually makes sense. I mean, you know, I'm not one to say tape is dead, you know, and I think, you know, we're surrounded by companies whose good marketing is a very agenda-based, outcome-based for all the reasons that they are in business for. For my customers, uh, I think they have to be more agnostic with respect to, I heard what you said, but I need to make the decision that's best for me. Um, and I appreciate the input. Uh, so having said that, I think the pointers around getting started in the cloud is you have to understand your readiness and that varies. If you are a cloud native company already deployed, you're there. Um, I think the pointer for you is play forward the success of your business and model the cost of staying in the cloud or in the multi-cloud context do the pros and cons weight it appropriately and then at what point does hybrid begin to make sense and what might that look like because that's a point that you're going to hit at some point the, the challenge is i think a lot of cloud native only companies tend to be startups so they're driven by dynamics around customer acquisition market share gain getting to profitability etc but play that tape forward somewhere along the line and find out what hybrid looks like and what the benefits of that are in terms probably of lowering the cost of your business. For someone in a legacy context, you know, coming from an Mm -hmm. on-prem posture, um, you know, there's always the use cases of a line of business. I mean, I want to meet the vice president of, uh, DevOps and customer engagement, because that person's in the cloud. <laughs>
0: um,
1: he's my one-stop shop for everything, right? But for a legacy company that's that's not there yet, I think it starts with an assessment of your readiness. What is my application mix? What are my business goals, and what applications and, and workloads do I need to um, create, modify, move into what services, do I need, and if they're in the cloud, um, do so with, You know, if it needs to be cloud native, do it. But I'm thinking of specific customer engagements where they have legacy applications off-the-shelf software and they wanted to move to the cloud, but they weren't ready to have a micro-segmentation container discussion. They're not ready, and that's okay. Like I said earlier, there's not a wrong answer. It has to be the right answer for your business now, and then if that answer is different a year from now, that's okay too. This isn't like you have to get it right today. You have to plan, though, I think, for hybrid cloud, and how you're approaching that will very much change depending on where you are on that continuum of legacy on the one end and cloud native or cloud only on the other. But but the answer, I think, ultimately comes back to, for most people, Probably I think one study I, I recently came across said 58% are planning on a hybrid cloud and 85% are planning multi-cloud. So those numbers are probably not going to go up on multi-cloud, given that's pretty high. I think hybrid cloud um, may move up in terms of percentage, but the majority of people listening to this will end up in a hybrid multi-cloud model. And, where, and how you implement that, uh, that ought to be your design goal. And at the end, um, if you're in the Bay Area, I can help you.
0: Yes, <laughs> Yeah, So, um, so yeah. If you're in uh, well, but that, that leads on uh, fantastically to, uh, to to kind of <laughs> a sum it up, I guess. But um, so, John, I, I, I you know lots of fantastic information here. And I you know, really appreciate your insight, and and hopefully, both listening to the show will will definitely have learned something there. So, um, well, if people want to find out a little bit more about you and what you do, where, where can they find you online? Where can they where can they haunt you on the internet?
1: I <laughs> <laughs> say so, so, so. My Twitter handles. Uh, at John underscore Woodall. Um, You can find our company at iArchive.com. And um, look forward to uh, seeing how this world we're entering into unfolds. I've been in this industry a while. And, you know, there's more opportunity now than I have ever seen. um, But there's so much that we have yet to see how it plays out. You know, make some popcorn, fasten
0: your seatbelts. It's going to be a fun ride. Yeah, yeah and I'm with you 100%. You know. I, I, I've been doing this this job over 20 years now, and I think, I, you know, the, the the way that the world is moving to this kind of data-driven world, I think, is, is interesting, if not yeah. more interesting today than it ever has been. So, um, well, hey, John, look, thanks very much for your time. It's much appreciated. Uh, I, I know you've got real early to talk to me this morning over on the West Coast. So, uh, look, thanks for that, and uh, hope to have you back yeah. on show again some point in the future. Well, thanks for your time, John. Love to. Thanks very much. Have a great day. I hope you enjoyed that episode. For show notes, as well as a link to the video that John did with NetApp, then please pop over to techstringy.com, where you'll also find all of our previous Tech Interviews episodes. If you enjoyed the show, why not subscribe? You can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher, as well as all other good homes of podcasts. So until next time, thanks for listening.